Well, good morning, Wheaton Bible. Happy New Year. Happy 2021. It's good to see y'all. Can we stand together this morning as we begin our time worshiping, singing with our voices this morning? Rise, my soul, remember this, he took my sin and he buried it no
Happy New Year, church, and welcome to the first Sunday of 2021. We are so glad that you're here with us or joining us online. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for spending this time as we lift the name of our God, as we worship Him. And what a beautiful declaration to begin this year that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are alive in Christ. And it is all for His glory and His honor and His fame this morning. So let's continue to worship our God who sees us in our state and calls us his children. He invites us into his family. That's amazing. So we celebrate that today as children of God. Sing this out. that right now together. And 1 John 3, 1 says, see what great love 
the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. But dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been known. But what we know, that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him in His glory. So let's declare this church with confidence that His love brings us into His family. Come on, let's sing this out. I am chosen.
to us, he calls us, and we respond in gratitude, in confession. This is from Psalm 51, and I want this to be a prayer of restoration today. I want this to be our prayer as we carry this through the year, that our good God, who claims us as his own, would restore us, church. says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, 
according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you and you only, Lord, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness, even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse me with the hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me. Wash me, Jesus, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that have been crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity and create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Amen. Restore my soul, revive my heart, renew my life in every part, reveal to
So, Father, as we're in this moment worshiping you, I pray that you would remove the distractions, remove the sinfulness that keeps us from seeing you so clearly. Restore us. Father, I pray that as a church this next year, Lord, that you would help us to be the disciples that you want us to be, that we would be growing in you, that we would be reaching our community, that we'd be meeting needs, that you would lead us. And so I pray, Lord, that at this first Sunday of the year, that you would have your way, that we would stand and honor you and stand in making decisions that would glorify you for the rest of this year. So thank you. Thank you for letting us worship you. And it's because you are on the throne, you are the savior that we praise you. And it's your name I pray, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, it's so great to see you here today. My name is Michael and I serve with our creative team. Our annual church meeting where members vote to approve our ministry financial plan and elder nominees to serve on our board is coming up on January 31st at our West Chicago campus. More information will be coming, including the proposed financial plan and elder nominee bios. But for now, save the date for 2.30 on January 31st at our West Chicago campus. It's a new year and a great opportunity to get connected with community and a group. Groups are forming now and they're with you to support you through the challenges of life. They're a source of joy, growth, and connection. You can look through the online directory to find a group that's right for you at wheatonbible.org groups. From there, you can sort by your campus, life stage, online only or in person. And if you're not sure which is right for you, you can chat with us on our website or consider joining a life group that starts with the Rooted experience. Michelle joined a life group in the fall and had this to say, I didn't anticipate the deep connections and genuine life-changing conversation I would experience. My group ended up being more than essential for me as the strong women in my group lifted me up and continually prayed for me. The support I felt helped me through this rough season of quarantine and life. See you in your group. If you missed it last week, we're starting an all-church Bible reading plan this year called the McShine Two-Year Plan. You can get the month's schedule on our website and print it out to keep in a good spot. If you've not yet read through the whole Bible, this is a great chance to do it with a community. Today's reading is Genesis 3 and Matthew 3, just two chapters and you can easily get through it on a train ride to work, listening to a reading in the car, or while you have your morning coffee. We're excited to be reading with you. That's all for today. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We hope you have a happy new year. Well, happy new year, church. You made it. 
You made it through 2020, and so we are now starting a new year, and I am so thrilled to be with you this morning, my church family. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad that you are with us here. So I want to encourage you to open your Bibles, open them to Jeremiah 9, and also stick a finger in Philippians 3. We're going to be in the Old and New Testament today, uh, taking a journey there. Before we jump into our reading, though, I want to just encourage you, you heard in the announcements about our reading plan, we want to encourage you to be a part of this, that we as a community of believers would be diving into God's Word and doing that every day together. And so I want to, I want to encourage you to do that. You can find uh, all of the information on our website, go to the resources page. I also, if you've never had devotions as a part of your life, I want to encourage you to sign up to get our devotions. We have incredible writers uh, led by author Catherine McNeil that write devotions for five days a week, and those are going to follow the reading plan. So I want to encourage you to dive in. May we be a church that soak in God's word every day, and so let's do that together. Well, as we jump in here this morning, we're going to be looking at the subject of knowing him. Knowing God deeply because God wants us to know him in deep, intimate ways. And so to do that, we got to look at God's word. And in Jeremiah 9, verses 23 through 24, we see the prophet writing this. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. And then flip over to Philippians 3. And Paul writes this in Philippians 3, starting at verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Father, I pray that our hearts and minds would be open to your word this morning. Guide us through this. I pray that the words that come from my mouth would honor you and give you glory. And may you lead us to be the disciples that you want us to be. Have your way. And it's your name I pray. Amen. Well, many of you uh, might have experienced something that I've experienced, and some of you that are joining us online, maybe you are experiencing this right now. But let me ask you, have you ever taken a road trip? You know, road trips can be great and they can be miserable, right? 
I mean, road trips are something that bring about a lot of memories, and you can have incredible memories of these trips that you've taken in the past. Some trips might take an hour, while other trips might take several days. But nowadays, we probably all do something very similar. What you do is before you get into the car, you put in an address, the destination into your phone, and then you hop in and you hit go. The goal of the road trip is to end at the destination that you have programmed into your GPS. Now here's the deal, for many of us on our road trips, you can know the route because you've driven it before, but as you're driving, you can miss all of the landscape along the way. You know, you can know the route of of a road trip and you can miss all the pieces that make that trip very enjoyable and the journey even better. See, our, uh, our spiritual life is very much the same way as a road trip. When we, when we look at things, well, for many of us, we think about our eternal destination, and yet we miss everything along the way. See, for some of us in here, we can say that at one point, we can point back to it that we prayed a prayer, that we uh, invited Jesus into our life to be the Lord of our life, and once that destination was checkmarked, we forget or we get distracted about what the invitation to join him is all about. See, life comes and it hits us, and so we can get these distractions going. And as the landscape transforms on a road trip, what we have to understand is that your life is supposed to transform the more that you get to know God. You're supposed to be different from yesterday from last week, from years ago. So when you look at Jeremiah and, and what Paul writes in Philippians, I believe there's a truth that as I was studying this, I was wrestling with it myself. And I think it's something that we all need to understand and deal with. See, the truth that we need to look at is this, is that your identity isn't found in what you boast about yourself. So your identity is found in the transformational God you boast about knowing. Let me repeat that because it's so vitally important for us. Your identity isn't found in what you boast about yourself, but in the transformational God you boast about knowing. So when we look at this, we need to kind of process these two texts that we're going to look at. And I want to look at three things to kind of take us on this journey. The first thing that we're going to look at is the identity lie. Then we're going to look at the source of identity. And then we'll conclude with the transformation of our identity. So let's first look at the identity lie. Well, you can find the identity lie in Jeremiah 9.23. See, as we move from childhood all the way through to our dying day, we struggle with something as human beings. We struggle with this uh, desire that really the point of life and the destination of life is actually ourselves. That everything should revolve around 
me. It's the wrestling that goes on in our life. And it's not just ourselves, but, but we live in a manner where we tend to boast about the me. You know, the, the me accomplishments or the me wisdom or the me items. See, we, are, we like to look in the mirror and think, life revolves around me. And it's a struggle that we have till our dying day. The reason we move through that is because we have bought in, we have drunk the Kool-Aid of the me society. And so we wrestle with it, and it's a type of journey, if we live that way, it's full of a bunch of lies. And we see these lies and the reason for them in Jeremiah 9.23. Look at what it says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. Now for all of you Hebrew scholars that are sitting here today, you already know this, so you can kind of quiet yourself for a moment, but here's the deal. If you were to read Jeremiah in the original Hebrew, you would end up seeing that there is a word that is repeated over and over again in verse 23. It's a fascinating word that it actually ends up in this verse. And it's the word hallelujah. Now that word might sound familiar, and you're right. It sounds familiar because it's short for the word hallelujah. We use that word a lot at Christmas time. See, hallelujah actually means to praise Yahweh. That's why they add that, that ending to that word, Yahweh. Or it means to praise God. But the writer puts in here this word hallelujah, which simply means praise. But the way Jeremiah writes this text, he actually writes it in a reflective manner. So whenever you read it in a reflective manner, it means that it's giving praise to someone or something. So when the writer says this, what he is basically trying to tell us is that we should be operating in this way, that we don't try to get praise for our wisdom, for our strength, for our riches. We don't try to get praise for anything we do. Now that's hard. See, the, the lie that we tend to believe in is this. It's that your identity is found through the recognition of what you do or have. We buy into it. That what makes you worthy, that what makes you important, that what makes you valuable has to do with what you do each and every day or what you own. And it's the lie. It's the lie that's, that Jeremiah is writing, and the reason for this is because we, as a human population, love acclaim. We love the applause. See, he's writing here to a people who are obsessed with the standing ovation for all that they're doing, the recognition of others, that they just want that heaped upon them, to which they build their life upon it. 
See, the lie, the identity lie is telling us over and over again that your worth, your personality, your sex, your, your success, your growth, etc., is built upon seeing your work and praising it. And I would imagine for some of us, that's what this last year has been about. But notice the source of the three examples he gives in verse 23. Each one has a word right before it. Their wisdom. Their strength. Their riches. It has to do with the individual. The praise for an individual. Well, why is this happening? Well, if you look at the context, you have to go back to verse 22. Now, let me warn you, verse 22 is not the verse that you want to start the year out with. It's actually a miserable verse. The reason I say that, not that the Bible is miserable, but it's because it paints a miserable picture. Look at what it says. It says, this is what the Lord declares. Dead bodies will lie like dung on the open field, like cut grain behind the reaper with no one to gather them. See, Jeremiah is writing to God's people. And God's people were falling apart. So much so that what was going to take place is that people would start to die and there wouldn't be enough people in the nation to bury the dead bodies. And the reason this was happening, the reason this fall was taking place was because they were banking their worth on themselves. Completely banking everything upon who they were. See, what was happening was that God's people were saying that they knew God, but in reality, they only knew about God. They only knew some facts, and so they were banking on themselves. See, friends, from the, the first act of sin in Genesis to today, what we find is that our hearts want recognition they want uh, the applause, but here's what happens. It ends up never lasting. I don't know if you've read the stories of some like musical artists or professional athletes, but what a professional athlete goes through when it comes to retirement is brutal. See, the day they retire and they walk away from the game, they walk away from the standing ovation. Their entire life up until that point was being played in front of everyone where the standing ovation and the cheers were coming and all of a sudden it's silence. It's because it never lasts. When you wake up the next day, you're going to want more and more and more. Here's what we have to understand. When we build our identity on created things, when we focus our identity around created things, your identity is going to be incredibly unstable and cheap. If, if we are pursuing human wisdom, strength, and riches, what we have to understand that is that those are cheap imposters of what God wants to pour into you. And yet, we struggle with the lie. 
See, I want to remind you here that your identity isn't found in what you boast about yourself, but on the transformational God you boast about knowing. So we see that there's this identity lie And we need to ask ourselves, what are we trying to pursue? Who are we seeking praise from? How are we handling this? And then we have to go to the source of identity. The source of identity is actually found in verse 24 of Jeremiah. I mean, these are two short verses, but what we end up seeing is that Jeremiah writes this, but let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. We live in a a world that is full of many different cultures. A ton of different cultures that operate in different ways. See, there's cultures that actually uh, people live in that they present it so that everybody is lowly in front of everybody else. What I mean is that you can walk up to them and if you're not from the culture, you can uh, initially you can see what's happening. They can't talk to you. They can't look at you in the eye because they want to position themselves as the lowly servant. And so that those cultures end up thinking less of themselves. And then we have the American culture. You probably know it. It's loud. It's boisterous. It's the culture where we raise our kids telling them, you can do anything you put your mind to. In order to be successful, it's gaining more. If you just work harder, you will be successful. By the way, your opinion, it matters to everyone, so put it out there on Facebook. Let me just tell you, both cultures have tremendous flaws. A lot of different flaws in them. And so when you read uh, what Jeremiah is saying, all of a sudden, there's this shock of what takes place. Look at the start of verse 24. The Lord ends up saying, let the one who boasts, boast. See, when I read that, I'm going, what? I thought we were supposed to be humble. And now we're being told that we can boast? But why? Why should we be able to boast? Jeremiah is saying that boasting is a part of our humanity And it's something that we should do, but why? Well, what we find is that the reason we should boast is because of the contrast between the two verses. In verse 23, remember, the focus was on their wisdom, their strength, their riches. It was focused on the individual. Verse 24, boasting is totally different. It isn't tied to your success or your performance as a human being. It's tied to the source and the creator of identity. It's saying, look at how this should be done. Boast, but boast about the glory of God. Look at what the writer says. He says uh, to boast, but boast about the God who has given us the ability, the desires, the wisdom, the faith, the truth, and the transformation to have what? To have the understanding 
to know God. So here's what I boast about. I have the ability to know the creator of the universe. And I can't do that without him giving me that ability. And you have it as well. We boast about the understanding of who God is, what he has done, what he is continuing to do. But we boast because he is the true source of our identity. That once we surrender to him, it's not that your identity is found in your job or in your bank account. It's found because you are now a child of the creator. You are a child of the king. Paul says it another way in Philippians. He ends up saying this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So let me just ask you, At the end of your life, where do you want to be found? Found in what you're passing on to your kids and grandchildren? Or to simply be, be said, he was found or she was found in him. And it was enough. Author J.I. Packer puts it this way. He ends up saying, knowing God is a relationship calculated to thrill a person's heart. I would say after 2020, we are in desperate need of a thrill in our heart. And that's exactly what the God of the universe wants to do with you. He wants you to know him. See, your identity isn't found in thinking less of yourself or thinking more of yourself. It's found at the source, the creator God. Now, when he writes this, Jeremiah ends up saying to know me that I am the Lord, the Lord of kindness, the Lord of uh, justice, the Lord of righteousness. And so there's really, I think, four ways that we end up getting to know God. We end up looking at it, and the first thing that we need to do is we need to learn to listen. So let me ask you, are you a good listener? And nobody better be elbowing anyone in here right now, okay? Are you a good listener? See, you might have missed it. In Jeremiah 9.23 the very first line ends up saying, this is what the Lord says. Meaning that God is talking and God was talking in Jeremiah's day and God is still talking today. And the question is, is, is God's disciples, is Jesus' disciples spending time to listen to the words that God wants to speak? Spending time to listening to the words that are written here because this is a word that is living and active and wanting to penetrate our souls. The moment that you, were, that you surrendered your life to Christ, you were given the Holy Spirit so that you could listen to what God wants to say. So if you want to get to know God, 
and have your identity formed, you need to listen. The second thing that you need to understand is that you need to be meditating. Meditating is an interesting word, but it basically means digging into God's word. And so as you read God's word and as you take it in, you meditate on it by saying, what does this have to say to me? What does this say about God? What do I need to understand about God? And how does it penetrate my life? What is it that I need to see about the glory of the risen Savior? But this is what you have to understand. In a fast-paced world, The world that we live in, meditation doesn't happen often because meditating takes time. It's not rushing. It's not trying to multitask. If you want to get to know God, you need to meditate on him. So we listen and we meditate And then I think we need to be doing some contenting. Basically, this is a word to just say, are we going to look at God and say, he is enough? That the source of your identity has you in the exact place that you are to be, and that is enough. That you're not trying to seek out your own glory. That you're saying, I just want more of God. Paul says it, I just want to know Christ. See, contenting has a lot to do with passion. Passion on just knowing who God is. And if we are going to be disciples that are content in God, it means that we aren't going to be consumer disciples trying to find the the little segment that applies to us, but that we are going to say we are going to be content with whatever God wants to do in forming who we are. And that doesn't happen just in your teen years. It happens till your dying day. So we listen, we meditate, and we're content. And the last thing is is that we obey. We're obeying. See, God wants us to get to know him. You, You need to know who God is, but the part of knowing him is also obeying. And it seems strange because sometimes we don't always look at obedience fondly because we think of maybe bad things that took place with our parenting or, or when, whenever we were under our parents' authority. But what we have to understand is this obeying has to do with transformation. The only way that I could fully think about this was thinking about how I actually obey my wife. Now here's the thing. It's not necessarily that I am obeying my wife. Angie's an amazing woman, but that's not what I was called to do. I think back to our wedding day. Our wedding day, I took some vows. And in order to get to know my wife deeper, in order to treat her well, in order to honor her, it means that I am not going to obey her. I am going to obey the vows that I made that day. And the more I obey those vows, the more that I get to know her and our relationship grows. 
the day you became a Christian was the day that you took a vow that Jesus was going to be Lord of your life. And if you're going to get to know Jesus better, it's by thinking and obeying that vow that he is Lord over your life. And so your worth and your value is found in him, not in your performance. And so you dive into God's word and you obey it. Not because you're trying to earn anything, but because you want to give glory to the one who saved you. See, we have to look at this and and we have to process these things so we can get to know the source of our identity is getting to know God. But I gotta tell you that the more you get to know God, something happens and it's called the transformation of our identity. This is actually found in Philippians 3 and if you flip there, you're gonna read those verses that we read earlier. You're gonna see that there's actually a transformation that takes place in Paul. A couple weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast, and if you're not a sports fan, I'm sorry, you should be. Um, But I was listening to an interview uh, of the Toronto Raptors general manager, Masai Ujiri. You might not know who Masai is, but Masai was born in England to Nigerian parents. His roots go deep into Nigeria, and he tells a story about being with other NBA executives in South Africa early on in his career. He was there and it became available that there was gonna be a small group of these executives that were gonna get the opportunity to meet Nelson Mandela. Mandela didn't meet with large groups at that time. It was only small pockets of people and so they did a raffle and they, they were choosing names and Masai did not win the opportunity to get to know or to talk to Mandela. There was an American executive that was there that actually drew the number and sat in the room and he was looking around and he saw Masai and he thought, it's more important for this young Nigerian to meet Mandela than it is me. And so he walked up to Masai and he said, I don't think I should go meet Mandela, I think you should. And so he turned over that opportunity. And so Masai talks about that day and that that day changed his life. It changed his life because of the graciousness of one other man to give him that opportunity. And it changed his life that he got to sit at the table with Mandela and be inspired by him. I don't know if Messiah is a believer. What I heard was that day actually changed how he was going to live his life from there out. That he was going to start, uh, not not talk about accumulating more, but how can he make an impact on society? How can he impact lives in Nigeria and in Africa and in Canada where he lives? You might be going, why are you talking about a Toronto Raptors general manager? Simply this, that if the graciousness of a human being of giving them an opportunity to sit at the table with an incredible leader and world changer like Mandela changed his life, what more would change in your life if you sat at the table to get to know the creator of the world? Intimately, 
and in conversation. See, Paul is saying in Philippians 3 that when you sit with God, when you know God, it changes who you are and where you find your worth. I mean, he ends up writing it beautifully. He ends up saying, uh, Paul writes that the surpassing worth of knowing Christ changes everything of who you are and what you value. Knowing God is going to transform your identity. It's going to change who you are and what you identify with. It's why Paul ends up writing, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know. Look at this, the power of his resurrection and then participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This was a man who once wanted the recognition of the Jewish religious leaders as he persecuted Christians and killed them. He wanted the applause. He wanted the status. And he met Christ. And the moment he met Christ, his life started to change. His identity changed. And he now sees himself as a child of God saying, all I want in my life is to know him more. To know who Jesus is and know his love. See, Paul shares that knowing God isn't only about the destination that we check off, but it's about knowing the landscape of all God wants to pour into us along the journey. God is around and wanting you to know him. Friends, the more you get to know God, the more that you know him, not just knowing things about him, the more your identity will be changed and the more this world needs to see it. See, when we look at this, Paul writes in verse 12 that the identity process is a transformation and so he presses on knowing that there's going to be pandemic years, there's going to be years of anxiety, there's going to be years of persecution, there's going to be years after years of all sorts of things, but he presses on because he knows Jesus is worth it. He's worth it. But hear me in this. Knowing God is the best decision and the most impactful thing that you can take a hold of in your life. But what's even more impactful and even more stunning is that the God that we worship this morning, the God that you cry out to in your need, the God that created heaven and earth, the God who sent his son into this world for you, the God who went to the cross to give up his life for you, the God who defeated death and rose from the grave, did all of that and still knows you. He knows you. It's why you can wake up every day and you can sit and you can just rest in knowing that the creator of the universe knows you. You are famous to God. 
And why do we not rest in that? Why do we not say, I want to know the surpassing worth of knowing Christ? Friends, my prayer for us, no matter what age that we are at, that we would start this year saying, I want my identity to be on Christ. Like Paul, I want to know him deeply. See, friends, your identity, it isn't found in what you boast about yourself, but in the transformational God that you boast about knowing. Now, with all of that, here's what I want to conclude with. I think we need to take practical steps, just two steps. And I want to encourage you to jump in in our reading plan. I want you to say to yourself, like, this is what I want to do. I just want to know God deeper. I want to listen. I want to meditate. I want to be content. I want to obey. And so I'm going to read here. But the other thing I think you need to consider is this. When Jesus came, he formed his disciples. And out of that, then, the disciples ended up going and forming churches. And the reason for it is because this world is harsh. And in order to get to know God in deeper ways, we need one another. And so I want to encourage you, even in the midst of uncertainty in this year, that you would jump into a group that you'd meet some people and that you would say together, we want to know God in a deeper way and we want to trust in him and we want to encourage one another to press on. So if you've never done that, I want to encourage you, jump in. Jump into to Rooted and join a life group. Maybe for you women, you need to join Place for You or Senior Women's Bible Study. For you men, you might need to get up and be around on Thursday and Saturdays and, and join Huddle, join Saturday morning men's or senior men's. Maybe for some of you, you need to say, I'm going to jump into our marriage ministry and join a group there. Or some of our other care ministries because I want to get to know God deeper this year. So I want to encourage you to pray about it and take that step. We have some staff that are in the atrium. You can find uh, Pastor Mark Irvin, Andy Stahl, um, and some of our others out there. Look for the small gray name tag, and you can ask them any question you want about joining a group. But let's be known as people who know Christ and know the surpassing worth of knowing him. Amen? Father, I thank you. I thank you that you give us the opportunity to know you. That us, small, little human beings, are given the understanding to know the Lord of kindness, justice, and righteousness. And that when we get to know you, Jeremiah wrote it, it delights you. So I pray for my friends here, my family. I pray that we would be people that know you deeper this year. And as we know you, you continue to transform us into passionate, boasting of your glory disciples.
And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Phil. Church, can we stand together and respond to this as we commit this year to knowing Jesus more? Let this be our song today as we leave. The song of our hearts. And let us be the cornerstone. have passed away your love has stayed the same your constant grace remains the cornerstone Jesus things that we thought were dead
So, Father, as a community, as a family of believers, we adore you. And I pray over my friends here that they will know you deeper this year. Know that their worth, their identity is found in you and not in the praise of man. May your word get worn out this year as we open your scripture. May it get marked up. May it soak into our mind so that the more that we know you, the more you change us. We thank you for your love. It's your name I pray. Amen. Happy New Year, church. Thanks for worshiping with us. We'll see you next week.